so strange Said you never know While I try my best Hey, cover eyes It's a common way to blame and hide the truth I know that some will say Welcome to episode 12 of Thinking Out Loud and today we have a very special episode. Um, I'm going to be interviewing Larry Johnson, who's a former intelligence agent with the CIA and now retired, but I came across him recently. He has a website called A Son of the American Re Revolution and he gives his thoughts on and writings on a number of political topics that I've found quite interesting and quite revealing um, over the last couple of, couple of months. And so I reached out to him oh, about a week ago and he's kindly agreed to do an interview. So rather than me give you a big um, introduction uh, on Larry and his background, I'm just going to let Larry do it himself. I was with them for four years the CIA to mm -hmm. the Department's Office of Counterterrorism mm -hmm. there four years and then I uh, struck out and became a consultant and I've uh, been doing consulting since uh, 1994. Mm -hmm. uh, much of that entailed doing training support for U.S. military special operations forces and counterterrorism exercises. It's my uh, my company, Berg Associates, it's a, it's a small uh, consulting firm, uh, but we do financial investigations. For example, we conceived of doing a civil racketeering case against Philip Morris, and in that, uh, the European Union was one of our clients. Philip Morris settled that case for $1.5 billion. So uh, we've, we've had some unusual experiences and some success. Okay, I get you. And um, what what give you the? Um, I suppose, in terms of what's going on, what's playing out at the moment, Larry? What's your what's your what's your take on what's your take on that? It's a it's a coup attempt. This this is a this is like a, a third world um, banana republic. Uh, and how do you see? Do you see? Based on your experience, do you see? Do you see any coordination and? Can you see anything you recognize, we'll say, from your intelligence days? Oh, well, I see. I, I think there's clear coordination going on with the, when you have the media united almost uh, totally, the mainstream media anyway, um, mm -hmm. showing the same themes. Um, you know, when I was with the CIA, I did a, a stint working on what they call covert action. And mm -hmm. the, the, Covert action activity well, was uh, part planting stories and articles around the world to support the Mujahideen in Afghanistan who were fighting uh, the Soviets at the time. Mm -hmm. It was remarkably easy. This was back, uh, you know, sort of at the, the dawn of the internet as far as people having home computers and doing things on the web. Mm -hmm. and 
uh, modems. So we did it sort of the old fashioned way, but uh, you, would, uh, you know, there would be reporters who were paid off. There were people who were given special projects and money. And stories were uh, appearing around the world. One of the, to me, one of the most instructive there's a fellow, Jean-Jacques Servant Schreiber, uh, a French uh, known for sort of his leftist leanings. And mm-hmm. He was convinced that the CIA was behind everything, and uh, he didn't realize we were actually planning articles in his publication. So okay. with that as background, uh, I, I have no doubt that what has been taking place is a coordinated effort. Mm-hmm have the likes of Facebook and Twitter uh, doing active suppression of mm-hmm. conservatives and, and people who speak on behalf of Donald Trump. And they're yeah. calling lies things that are just you know, basic facts. facts yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really the, the world that uh, George Orwell could see novels that has come to pass. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I recently went to, uh, my, my background is, um, Kind of a liberal arts degree, and I recently I, I we st- I, I studied nineteen eighty four in like the early nineties, so I recently just uh, downloaded it again on a podcast to go through it, and it's just shockingly kind of relevant. Um, but I suppose uh, if if you take it from like w- when I started, to, when I really like thought that the Rep- the establishment were Republicans didn't put enough. Uh, effort in before the election to stop these state like to stop these states go, going off on the mail-in ballot route like the you know the mess that we've seen kind of in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia and there's probably like to my mind I think I think if you got into California you'd see a huge amount of um, problems in that vote uh, area as well but how do, how do you is there a path to bit like I know we have Sidney Powell and we have Rudy Giuliani and we have a lot of things going on, but it seems to me the first victory they've had was that 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 legislative legislative session in Gettysburg in Pennsylvania last week, where they got to kind of present evidence to a, a committee and get it out there. Um, do you see a do you see a, a clear path to a victory here or? What's your what's your views on what's to come? I, I think there is a, a clear path. I mean, uh, one, which you've already referred to with respect to the Pennsylvania legislature, but you're going to see the similar things happen in Michigan that will happen in Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia. I anticipate mm-hmm. see all that within the next uh, week or so. Mm-hmm. There is other evidence that will be uh, coming out. Um, because the nature of this fraud was such uh, that a key component were the ballots that were produced that had only Joe Biden's name on them. Yeah. These ballots were mailed. Okay. So who paid for the postage on those those ballots? Were they legitimate? Yeah. You know, there are only two ways with a a letter, as you know, in the United States. You either... Put on a stamp, mm-hmm. or it's metered, and yeah. if it's metered, that means somebody had to pay the post office in advance. So what you're looking at here is uh, having to track the money. Where did the money come from to pay? Because, for example, five hundred thousand ballots 
$350,000 worth of uh, uh, cash required for the metered mail. Yeah, or, yeah. So I've, I've heard very little people talking about what you've just said there now, that particular element of it. Yeah, it's just, you know, it, it, it's the common sense element, particularly mm -hmm. in an era where we have mail-in ballots. Okay, great. Who mailed the ballots? Mm -hmm. where, you know, where, where were those ballots printed? And where were they mailed from? Uh, if they, uh, I, it, it, they should have, the way it should have worked is, you know, like I, I live in Manatee County, Florida. So Manatee County's Board of Election Supervisors it is up to, uh, to that supervisor to send out your absentee ballot in advance through the mail. Yeah. And, then, and but the, so it comes in an envelope, and it's a metered mail, and that you, the the code on that metered mail tells you who paid for it. Okay, gotcha. You know, I'm talking about getting to that level of granularity in this investigation. Um, that uh, in, in that fact, on top of everything else that has been revealed, mm -hmm. uh, because there's just you know, from the mathematical possibility of the numbers that Joe Biden put up. I mean, mm -hmm. Joe, Joe Biden, uh, you know, he, 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 couldn't, he couldn't track flies at a wake. And, uh, <laughs> he just, uh, he was, you know, buried in his basement. But I think this was, you know, they had planned out. But the other point that you raised is this is not just a Democrat plot. No. I think it's uh, clear evidence, or at least circumstantial evidence so far, that the governor of Georgia, the secretary of state of Georgia, were both implicated in, in, in some corrupt behavior with respect to these uh, vote, voting machines. Uh, you know, it turns out that, that the voting machines, one of my uh, CIA colleagues who's still active, uh, yeah. the, CIA, the CIA did an investigation of these machines back in 2005. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were originally, these machines were originally used in the Italian lottery. These so, particular machines were used in the Italian the, You know, the machine, yeah, as, yeah. as it has evolved, but that's where it started out, is in Olivetti. Oh, that's correct. I think I've read, I read something about their connection to, to things. But, like, it's, it's coming out that the, I think it's the Secretary of State of Georgia's, I don't know if it's his chief of staff, but... There's some there's some connection to uh, him as a lobbyist for Dominion voting systems that's been coming out, but uh, I I my own feeling on this and this could be right or wrong is that this is this is a one this could possibly be a one party fraud like if whatever's uncovered here, I doubt this is the first election we've seen kind of deployment of. Maybe not this level of sophisticated fraud, but like it's probably going to raise questions about previous elections, and some of them may have benefited Republicans. No, no. In fact, I think, uh, I think, like in Georgia, for example, it may very well be that Stacey Abrams actually did. Yeah. Beat yeah. Yeah. You know, my view on that, while I, I find Stacey Abrams abhorrent as a person and as a politician, and her ideas are pugnant, but if she won. She should have been the governor. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and, and so the, that kind of corruption, we can't just, because we don't like the political outcome. And this is, you know, I think 
this is the point that most of the media fails to appreciate or understand with respect to this uh, current uh, uh, crisis of the election. Mm -hmm. It's not. This is not a group of uh, Trump supporters who are just upset with the outcome. Uh, that they're just sore losers. Uh, mm -hmm. If if Trump really had been overwhelmed in votes, uh, and there was clear evidence that he did not have support, you know, I think most people would accept it. What they're not going to accept is this blatant theft. And no. you know the no, I agree. With you. You know, I guess you've been so you've been on the other side of the sea here during, I presume, for the last six months. But the phenomenon that took place in across the United States with respect to Trump rallies is spontaneous. Yeah. I mean, these were not these were not organized where somebody got online and was paying people to show up. These were spontaneous and they were massive. And yeah. in my own in my own uh, town where I live, I uh, went out uh, four four Saturdays ago, and I had a 12-mile drive to uh, pick up some food and a 12-mile drive back. Mm -hmm. And I was there was a Trump caravan that stretched the entire length, both as I went and the caravan was still coming when I drove home. Mm -hmm. Massive. Um, no, I was following those rallies, and there's a, I think there's a YouTube channel that's recent enough, Right Side Media, are broadcasting, and, like, they were regularly... You could uh, you could see with your eyes the the the, the size of the rallies, but what you, you could also see was the size of you know one hundred and sixty thousand people watching a live stream at the same time. And you know there's 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 lots of indicators that the support, the appetite for 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 Trump in the especially the last three weeks of the election was it seemed to, it seemed to it seemed to really ramp up once the Hunter Biden stuff kind of broke. Yeah, yeah. and you know. Um, uh, and you compare that to Biden's numbers. Oh, yeah. There, you know, nobody was watching. I always, I always made the joke uh, that the likening Biden to the character, the dead man in the movie Weekend at Bernie's, where the team started a corpse around for the weekend, and that they, they were going to consider uh, doing a, a part two of Weekend at Bernie's, uh, and Joe Biden was asked to try out, but they decided. Uh, he needed to have more lifelike features in order to appear as a good corpse. Yes, so. yes. No, it, like to be to be quite frank, it'd be quite scary if he had legitimately won because he didn't campaign. He couldn't operate off. Uh, he could only operate on prescribed questions handed to him. Um, he's the most unkind of scrutinized presidential candidates uh, I've ever seen in my lifetime now um like there it just it just makes from the outside looking in nothing about his candidacy makes sense and, and not especially with like you had the you had the crazy situation where he's named in a criminal investigation the day before the election or the day after the election in Ukraine and yeah. crickets about it but um, I suppose. I what's your t what what do you think the pivotal path here is, or what 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 are you looking to see to happen in the next seven to ten days? In if this is to go in, we'll say Trump's favor. Uh, well, uh, the Supreme Court will take take one one or more of the cases. 
Mm -hmm. uh, then uh, two, two or three of the states. Let's put if if Pennsylvania. My understanding is that Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan legislators, and in Georgia, if they if they refuse to uh, allow the vote to stand as a valid vote, and mm -hmm. then it's incumbent upon those legislators to to select the electors. Mm -hmm. That would be, you know, that would be a key uh, pivot point. And, you know, if that happens, you know, certainly there's going to be uh, some on the left that are going to erupt over that and decry it as being unfair, it's, but it's constitutional. It's according to the law. Uh, the the fact that you know, the facts will continue to emerge of this massive theft. I mean, it is uh, this kind of uh, blatant uh, thievery was brought on, I think, in large part because of the numbers of voters that turned out for Trump. The, the algorithms that were built into the software were such that they, they would identify a final number that had to be reached. Mm -hmm. so that number, you know what you need to calculate, what numbers have to come in from, sure. the, from different precincts in order to reach that number. Mm -hmm. and, but and so it, it's an art. It's it's learning as it goes because it's monitoring real time. Okay, these are the actual votes for Trump, and then lo and behold, so oh, we've got there's more coming in. So we've got to therefore generate more of these numbers, and that's why it became so blatant uh, and so obvious. Uh, the other problem they have, you know, some people haven't really grasped this concept. There were a lot of ballots that only had Joe Biden's name marked, and that's because. Yeah. They were they were physically printed, reproduced, copied, mm -hmm. uh, and then sent in. And in those circumstances, basically Biden would get four votes, Trump would get one vote. That's mm -hmm. how the votes were recorded. Yeah. Uh, what was so with those machines, those four votes for for Biden, we'll find ballots backing them up. But they got all these votes for Trump that were put in by the machines that are without ballots. So that is. Further evidence of the fraud, even though it sounds, you say, "Well, wait, that's Donald Trump getting votes without uh, ballots." But that's yeah. the, the, the system did not have the kinds of controls and checklists and uh, audit trails necessary to provide a, a secure, honest process. And do you think it's at that point that when when you were when you were speaking earlier about you know the the the, the pro we we'll say the the prepaid mail. And postage. Do you think those stuffed ballots were actually um, some of them, a portion of them, were mail-in ballots that had never been sent back, that they had got their hands on, that they filtered into the system? I think one one possibility is that these ballots actually were printed at one location. Ah, okay. Used in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Georgia, yeah. they were one location and sent out. Uh, uh, there will be trucks with manifests that will uh, be able to uh, validate that. The, the, I think that what's really critically important in looking at the metered mail is to determine whether or not the meter portion of it is legitimate or fraudulent. Because mm -hmm. it is. Or there are people that have gone to prison for falsifying those kinds of documents. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this kind of massive counterfeiting effort, that's one way to avoid detection initially by the post office. 
uh, where you have produced lots of mail that does, doesn't uh, hasn't really been paid for. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you'd imagine, I suppose, with something like that, it brings me on kind of to another topic because when I'm looking around at the the landscape of who's doing what, I see I see law enforcement or intelligence agencies, at least in public, seemingly doing very little. Yeah. To, like something what you've just described there is like some sort of a conspiracy that you'd imagine that would be very, you know, it wouldn't be terribly difficult to run that down. And well, I think uh, there's one thing that's going on. Uh, in September 2018, Donald Trump signed an executive order uh, stipulating that the director of national intelligence would be required to submit a report within 45 days of the election detailing foreign interference, if any, in the election. Okay. That's underway right now. Um, and, and John, John Radcliffe's wheelhouse, is it? Correct. Correct. So that's under John Radcliffe's direction. So in, in, in theory, CIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, and the National Security Agency, and the National Reconnaissance Office, and others would be uh, State Department's Bureau of Intelligence and Research, uh, would be contributing to this report. Um, and it will be an intelligence report twice a law, uh, something that could be used in a court of law. Because in, in the court of law, you must collect evidence, and the evidence must be obtained and, and, and held in the chain of custody. So mm -hmm. they could apply its validity. The problem with intelligence is relying upon information which may or may not be verified. Um, okay. But that would be, you know, that would be a component of it. What, what's, what's really odd is the uh, near silence uh, of my Bill Barr, the Attorney General. Yeah. I had, you know, I have a good friend who worked very closely with him, knows him intimately, and uh, the, the kind of person the Bill Barr, my friend described Bill Barr to me. This is not typical Bill Barr. Now he's either he's either working on something very quietly behind the scenes, because he recognizes he's up against an enormous mm -hmm. uh, deep state threat mm -hmm. uh, with, with people who, who are not loyal to the Constitution, with people who are so uh, grossly partisan that they'll do anything and betray anyone. Uh, this is. This is sort of like a real-world version of Game of Thrones without the dragon. <laughs> yeah. At least not yet, anyway. <laughs> um, and uh, like uh, having watched Barr over the last year, I, 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 I know he's getting a lot of criticism. I'd nearly lean towards that. There, if there's something to come, it's probably something massive, and that if it is, if it is something massive, he'll have to be involved in it. Yeah, the, the, the evidence is, um, I mean, the evidence is just overwhelming from my standpoint, not just of uh, the electoral fraud, mm -hmm. but this, uh, the coordinated effort to, with the riots, the Antifa movement, mm -hmm. uh, the money and funds that were being su supplied. And, you know, the Joint Terrorism Task Force should have been following those and picking up and identifying phone usage and identifying where the money was coming to support these activities. And they did have a few fewer reps, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, it's not clear that that has been fully exploited. 
the bar has is the F the FBI is corrupt. It's 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 not quite a Gestapo, but it's heading in that direction. It is it's a lawless organization, and we've seen its uh, behavior with respect to the attempts to entrap and and uh, ambush President Trump and his team. How much bad advice is, is around Trump? Because, like, when you look at, you know, he got rid of Comey and he puts in Ray. Yeah. And, Ray, and Ray's obviously, you know, we're coming to see no improvement, really. Um, he's, a, he's as bad as Comey. And, yeah. you know, that uh, th this is where we find sort of the, uh, the contradiction of Donald Trump. You know, he played a reality TV star of... Mm -hmm. uh, and who was a shrewd judge of character, <laughs> yeah. identified that you know, the real talent to get rid of the talent less. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's a character he played on, ter on television. That's not the real Donald Trump. The, re the real Donald Trump is, first, he's a genuine patriot. Mm -hmm. He's sincere about America being punished. Mm -hmm. he, he is someone who accepts people regardless of their station in life. I know I've got uh, several friends who've uh, been have direct knowledge of people, and you, you know, you know the type who are uh, who go to the upper crust schools. Yeah, yeah. They have one way of talking to people of their social standing, and another way of talking to people lower down on the scale. Yes. Uh, Donald Trump is not like that. Uh, Donald Trump is known for treating everybody, regardless of whether it's uh, you know the butler. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the cleaning lady, or whether it's the you know the prime minister of Great Britain, uh, they get treated the same way. Uh, so you know, he'll talk to them and he'll engage them, and that's why that the people who've been around him, particularly Secret Service and military, that, that's what they really appreciate. They recognize he's not a phony. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's that's quite. It's it's apparent. Like he he just talks too much. He communicates too much for it all to be an act. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, he is, what you see in public, and I've got this from a friend who's been involved in several national security meetings with only a few attendees. He says, what you see in public is what you see in private. That Donald Trump doesn't have two faces like, you know, like the, yeah, most, yeah. most of the people in Washington, D.C., I think the character he identified with in Game of Thrones was the faceless man, you know, the person <laughs> changing a face. Um, yeah. There's no trust there, but and this is what drives him crazy about Trump, because he he says what he believes. But that said, he's a terrible judge of character. He has he he he's a good developer. He knows about buildings, but he didn't know a thing about the, the, the this kind of politics that run rampant and, mm -hmm. and corruption under Gertiman. This I, is what, the the money the money factor here is huge. It mm -hmm. is. Um, I, I first arrived in Washington in 1979, and when I was there, it was it was 40 years ago. It was a different place because uh, you didn't have Maserati, Lamborghini, Bentley car dealerships scattered around the area. You didn't have them; they didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, exist. Well, you didn't have a wealthy class that could afford those kinds of luxuries mm -hmm. today. And so, what it is. The entire area has been transformed by this, uh, this this massive horde of hogs feeding off the government teat, 
It is. Just you can the, even see it in the the the, the election. Open Secrets uh, is it's a website I use to get kind of um, campaign contribution information. But fourteen billion dollars was spent on this um, election campaign. That in itself is a swamp of an industry. Like, do you know when, when you think about? And I think the vast majority, like a lot of that, was on the Democrat side. But like for like that's a that's an industry fourteen billion like to spend on one election you know an election campaign. Wait, you know this uh, the the president the president that most closely resembles Donald Trump or who Donald Trump most closely resembles I think is Ulysses S. Grant. If anybody who's taken time to study Grant realizes really what an enormously decent human being he was, mm -hmm. and he or he did more for. Uh, African uh, slaves that had been brought to America and trained them and trying to get them to secure their rights, he took on the Ku Klux Klan. Yet, with all the goodness on that side, he was a terrible judge of character. And he yeah. surrounded himself with some really slimy slimy businessmen and, and greedy individuals who took advantage of his kindness. And they took advantage of his goodness. And left him with this uh, reputation for being the, one of the most corrupt presidents in American history. When really, when you look at what he did and what he had to encounter, he's probably, I think, really one of the greatest presidents. But, mm -hmm. but and, and I think the same applies to Donald Trump. Trump was, I, I know for a fact, he was told early on to get rid of these senior intelligence service, senior executive service people, and he had full power to do so, and he didn't. Mm -hmm believed in the power of his personality. He thought, he, you know, he's a good salesman. He could bring him over. He could turn him around. But what he didn't count on was that they were not going to be on board with him bringing the United States back from all of this overseas mayhem that we were causing, that we were not going to play along with massive corporations that were going to sacrifice American jobs in order to uh, earn greater economic income in China other Asian countries, as an example. So when he starts doing that, they, they start fighting back. And I mean, it's, it's, it's sabotage across the board. And it's, it's really it's seditious behavior, seditious actions. Uh, and yeah. Trump, I think, he's finally come to understand that. You know, it took four years. He's, he's not a dummy. No, 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 no. In fact, you know, again, a friend of mine who's been involved with briefing uh, presidents back to Bill Clinton, um, commented that the, the person who is the most engaged asks the most questions and sort of you know is there very intimately involved with the briefings is donald trump in contrast to the rumors that are put out that he's you know doesn't pay attention doesn't read doesn't understand it's just the opposite but no i know i never bought that i, I it, no and I, I like it. <laughs> I, I've never bought that synopsis uh, that's kind of they like to portray about him in the media but the thing you have to say the, the only the one thing I kind of think about him is he's he's overly uh, perhaps overly susceptible to people that praise him uh, without possibly seeing through their motivation sometimes like there's a couple of people I think who are obvious to me at the moment who are not doing anything and Guys like Ted Cruz, guys, and who I generally have some time for, but there's there's a cadre in the Senate that are not helping at the moment. Oh yeah, no, I know, and you know it will be, uh, it will be to their uh, their detriment. Uh, people will remember 
This is, uh, we'll remember who stood with Trump, we'll remember who betrayed Trump, we'll remember who st stood silent. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just, I, I hate to keep coming back to this Game of Thrones analogies, but, you know, there is, the politics on the display there are very much alive here because, uh, in one sense, you know, Trump's calling for all of his bannermen to rally to his side. And, you know, we see some of, some of these characters are preferring to stay in their castles and feed themselves and ignore anything that was done on their behalf in the past. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, from my point of view is, uh, like Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham, they've got everything they wanted out of them, like in terms of the judges and the Supreme Court justices. And, you know, for me, it's... It, it it doesn't cost them to like it doesn't really like to stand to stand with them at the for the next two weeks come what may you know well they ought to be out they ought to be yeah. out the, the absolutely a hundred percent and instead they're just some are trying to pretend oh well the, this uh, we think it was largely legitimate well that's you know that that's a whole crock of force maneuver oh yeah I like they they pay for it and, like. They'll get primary, like especially in the next House elections. I, they they will get uh, Republicans will get primary primaried by you know populists. The the you know that populist streak that's in Trump that is that's brought in this new wave of people uh, across you know every kind of line, but like working class people. What's your view, um, Larry? Or do you have one? Or do you follow him much? Is um, Steve Bannon? Yeah, I, Bannon's a character. Um, yeah, he is. Uh, I I don't fully uh, understand him. Um, <laughs> he is uh, generally, I think, he is pro-Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he does correctly understand uh, the kind of threat that the republic is up against. Mm -hmm. From that standpoint, I think he's. He's provided an important voice in speaking out and trying to identify. It. And the fact that the media, uh, the social media world of tech giants, have felt that their, their mission to shut him up and shut him down uh, means he must be saying something correct. Otherwise, they wouldn't silence him. Absolutely, like that's one of the that that would be one of that'd be one of the sources I get information from now in terms like they're they're putting out four hours of content today like um and i saw what they like i follow that like you probably did is it was very interesting to see the people that social media were trying to pull down in the two three days coming up to the election and during the election and they were one big one the the gateway pundit is another site yes. is uh, just essential reading and, uh, because they they do excellent reporting um, so it's, you know, it, there's, this is, uh, I don't know how old you are, but I, you know, I was a child of the Cold War and uh, remember yeah. the, the stories coming out of uh, the former Soviet Union about what was called Samizdat, which was this underground media. So uh, while the Soviet rulers tried everything in their power to restrict what people could read and to mm -hmm. try to govern what people could think, you know, it's like trying to hold water back. If water finds its way mm -hmm. and the information finding its way around it, people would pass it secretly underground. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's one of the real uh, likely outcomes of this. If, if Biden is installed uh, as president, he will have no legitimacy. 
Oh, and, and you will and you will see the emergence or you won't see the emergence but it will be there of massive black markets both in yeah. and other activities uh, mm -hmm. i suspect people will be finding ways to deal only in cash and not pay taxes so yeah we'll work on bankrupting the country and it's going to be a danger it's, it's a dangerous time because there's so many uh things at stake and this is you know, you know this is akin to uh you know, the, the fellow with his new bride has gone off to work, come home unexpectedly, and, and found his wife in bed with his arch enemy. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, that's not something easily forgiven. I just, you know, peck on the cheek and say, oh, we'll, we'll get back to normal tomorrow. Now, that uh, leaves a scar deep and perhaps unhealable. And that's what I think we're, we're looking at here. This is... Uh, um, this is, I think, alarming for me on several levels. Do you, when you when you say alarming, do you, do you see, you know, do you see, do you see a path where there's a lot, there's a lot of violence? Yes. Uh, and I don't just mean on I don't I don't I don't just mean the the Antifa stuff. Do you, no, do you no, see? I, I I have um, I I work as a, I'm certified as what we call a range safety officer, so I work at an open gun range. Mm -hmm. uh, or my job is to make people make sure people shoot the targets that they're intending to shoot, not to each other. Um, yeah. And just the conversations I overhear along the line, and we're ta not talking a bunch of like, crotchety old souls like me. Uh, I'm talking mm -hmm. people in their 20s and 30s, uh, early yeah. 40s. And their basic, their basic attitude is, you know, we'll give the system a chance to work. We'll see if it's fair. But if mm -hmm. it's not, Stay silent. And that's yeah. why. That's why we're out here, you know, making sure we know how to use our weapons in the right way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I really, it, it's the kind of thing that you could start seeing. If, if if the justice system will not hold people accountable in a fair, equitable manner, you know, if they continue to release people who are caught rioting, and then uh, continue to arrest people uh, who are going to church and, and punish them, but not punish the rioters. Um, mm -hmm. you know, at, at some point, you know, people are going to fight back. And oh, yeah, absolutely. I, to, be, to, be, to, be, to be quite frank, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised is the wrong word. Um, the right has shown a, a huge amount of restraint, in my yeah. view. Are not, not even the right, ordinary Americans have shown an awful lot of restraint in the face of, you know, the outrageous escalation of violence that's been in a lot of cities. Like Portland is like a city that I don't know how anyone can live there. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, you know, let's say uh, Portland compared to Belfast in the bad old days, Belfast seems like a sunnier place. Oh, like uh, in terms of there wasn't uh, Belfast, uh, the, the, viol the violence in Belfast was a lot like in, in generally in Northern Ireland, it was a lot more guerrilla warfare. You could, you know, a lot of stuff could go on at night, but, you know, during the day you might not notice any, you know, a lot of stuff being wrong on a day to day basis. It wasn't as like this, this stuff. Um, and even the even the things they're looking for are so outrageous. Like it's like you know, get rid of the police. 
uh, defund the police, this kind of anarchy is essentially the end point is anarchy. And you know what? Uh, what sane person wants that? Yeah. 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 Um. Actually, in terms. Of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Larry, tell me a bit about your, your writing, because I, I've enjoyed reading your articles since I came across the site. Tell me a bit about the, the website and the background into kind of setting that up and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, I used, to, I used to have a blog called No Quarter USA. I took it down in March of 2017. Recall at the time I was uh, done, I'd done an RT, Russian Today, uh, okay. to, to say that it was not the FBI per se spying on the, on Trump, but it, it was the Brits that the, the British yeah. uh, uh, GCHQ uh, were able to intercept Trump email and create uh, intelligence reports that were then passed back to the United States. And the U.S. intelligence community involved U.S. persons. Uh, in fact, when those do you think that was a, do you think that was a, do you think that was initiated by someone like do you think that could have been initiated on the state side by either the FBI or the CIA in terms of getting the British? It was done by, was done by Brennan and Clapper. Yeah, yeah. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, and, and the way you know the way the intelligence process works is you have to put out requirements into the system in order for Fred to bring back those answers. Because, you know, particularly on the electronic side, it's sucking up everything. I mean, it's just yeah. a giant vacuum cleaner bringing in everything. So you have to be able to go into it to tell it what you want in particular. Uh, the other thing is the intelligence community does not operate like a good journalist. A good journalist can see some event some story and think, hey, I ought to look into that. I ought to try to gather some information. Um, the intelligence community works the exact opposite. I mean, I give you a firsthand uh, experience. If you sure. recall, 1992, when the Israeli embassy in Buenos Aires was uh, blown up, yeah. um, the initial intelligence reporting we had back then indicated a possibility of Iranian involvement or Syrian involvement. But the source of that, it was coming from what's not, what is called liaison reporting. In other words, Argentine military or police officials were passing that on to the U.S. government contacts at the CIA, who were then reporting what their Argentine people were saying, as opposed to having an actual source inside Hezbollah or an actual source inside uh, one of the Muslim uh, groups that were active down there. So. Yeah. I led, a, I led an interagency team that was comprised of State Department officials and, and people from the FAA to talk about aviation security. But we met in Buenos Aires with the CIA chief of station, who I knew from my previous life. Mm -hmm. And I asked this individual, his name was Bill. I said, Bill, where are you? Where's, where does Hezbollah sit on your collection priorities? And he says, well, it's not on the list. When I talk collection priorities, I'm literally talking they're like you make out a grocery list of what you want to go buy when you go to the store yeah. or to, uh, purchase your food. This is a list of what are the topics and issues that the CIA should be focused on. And that list is put together usually about a year, uh, 12 to 18 months in advance. 
and it involves people in one of the intelligence agencies. It goes around to all the different intelligence producers or consumers and asks them what you know what are issues that they need to focus on. And mm -hmm. that becomes important in how you get evaluated. So this chief of station, at the end of each year, he's giving his evaluation. And they go down the list of all those 10 things or 15 things he was supposed to collect on. So mm -hmm. how many reports did you get on number one? How many reports number two? And how many sources did you get for number one? So, you know, and depending if you, you know, got most of it, then you get rewarded, you get promoted, you get more money. So I get if it's not on the list, there's no incentive for you to mm -hmm. do any, any generate any intelligence. So in this, in this particular case, I had to go back to Washington, D.C. I had to write up a requirement to collect on Hezbollah in order for the CIA to start collecting. Now, that's a long way of telling you that when it comes to what happened to Trump, that there had to be that specific level, layering of, or uh, creation of a task. Ask, yeah. And this is the other thing. This is why there was what was, quote, unmasking. When the name of Trump or any of his children or any of his business associates mm -hmm. be in a report, they wouldn't say, you know, Donald Trump. They would say person A, person B, person C. Then if you're reading that report and you want to know, well, who's person A, that's where you do what is called unmasking, where you send in a formal request, who is person A? Mm -hmm. And the fact that we know that that process took place tells you that this was not just accidental collection. This wasn't mm -hmm. like, you know, you standing in a, in a lift uh, trying to, you know, go up to your apartment and listening to your neighbor who's in the corner talking on her cell phone about what her Friday evening plans are. <laughs> that yeah, yeah. incidental collection. This is where you've, you've actually, you know, you've put a wire in, in through the wall so you can listen in on their conversations. This was a purposeful collection. So when I came out with all of that information in uh, March of 2017, I was immediately attacked. And uh, uh, I was, I, my name was uh, pilloried on the front pages of at least several uh, UK uh, tabloids. Yeah, yeah. So, and some of the uh, notorious, and I had to adopt a lower profile at that point from the standpoint of my uh, business partner. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I took down the blog no quarter then. Uh, I continued to write uh, uh, for, for Pat Lang at his blog, Six Semper Tyrannus. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, started providing some articles to the Gateway funded. So what I've done is my own site, Son of the American Revolution 21, sonar21.com, in, in order to just keep an, a record of what I've written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, I lost you there, Larry. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I hear you fine. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I just lost you there for a second. Um, no, that, that that makes sense. Um, what I was going to say, where where in terms just of what you were saying there about you know having to go on a lower profile based on what you, the information you brought out in two thousand and seventeen, where do you see or do you see do you see do you see do you see 
intelligence, fingerprints over what's going on with the social media oligarchs, if you like. The you know, especially going forward, how do you see that panning out? Well, it is. Uh, let's call it the the social media giants are using the tools and techniques of the community uh, because uh, what has really over the last twenty five years is. Uh, as Edward Snowden tried to warn, is uh, the, the, the methods of communication and intercepting have eliminated privacy. You know, yeah. basically, the only way you can have privacy is uh, you must throw away your cell phones and computers and yeah, yeah. live like you're in the 19th century. Uh, that's one of the few ways that you can really try and stay away from credit cards. Um, but it's the, even at that, they're nearly increasingly trying to make it nearly illegal to not have some of these things. Do you know right. in terms of right? So it is, uh, you know, the the widespread use of COVID around the world is a excuse for eliminating civil liberties, and Absolutely. you know, the vast majority of people that uh, you know like sheep. I mean, it's. You know, if you've ever studied the history of World War II and the Holocaust, you could always, you know, sometimes ask the question, well, why would those people just so willingly line up and get on trains? Well, now we know that answer. Uh, well, yeah. sort of the, the equivalent of that every day is people line up, you know, they wear masks because they're told to wear masks, even though everyone's been wearing masks and the number of cases keep going up. So you go, wait, you know, wait a second. If the masks are ineffective, a deterrent to catching or becoming COVID positive. Why is it with all the mask wearing people are you know, still getting positive tests? So it's. It's a visual. It's a visual tool to keep people afraid. You know, it's like a reminder. No, it's a, I, they use the fear factor. And, uh, you know, the reality is most people don't fight back. They succumb to the fear. Absolutely. And that's what, one, of the, one of the things I admire more about America. Like, it, does it, in Ireland, we have a constitution, but the, the, the general public aren't very, don't identify with our constitution in the way Americans identify with their constitution. And I suspect you, you find that is one of the reasons why you know, this, there hasn't been as much of a fight back on the civil liberties point. You're starting to see more of it now, but like, I think that the shock has been how easy it is has been to take away all of these freedoms with very little pushback. Yeah, and uh, but at least the, you know, so the Irish do have a heritage, and particularly the Irish in uh, the United States. I mean, I'm a Lions on my mother's side. Okay. Uh, one of my, uh, one of my great great uncles, fifth great uncle Thompson, uh, his brother was the secretary of the Continental Congress, so okay. they, they came with they came with their father from Belfast back in uh, the 1735, I believe. The oh, father, wow. Ralph, and the boys when they arrived were split up, and one went to Virginia. My uh, my my fifth great grandfather and the other went to Philadelphia. Became a important man in the, in the revolution. So, but you, you, know, you find that the, the Irish have, uh, 
you know, they have they have a her history of fighting here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, disproportionate to the size of the country that Ireland. Oh, yeah, we we definitely carry a a, a punch that's bigger than ourselves sometimes. Um, yeah, so. So yeah, Larry, that's like it's very good to get that your perspective on on everything that's that's going on. What what you know? What do you see? Um, or what do you tell people? I, I I what I see a lot of people doing is they don't know what to do. They want to they want to make kind of some sort of um. They want to do something rather than you know. I know a lot of people. You, you know, there's a lot of shills out there, kind of trying to fundraise money for X, Y, and Z, but. I think a lot of people just want something practical, some practical way of joining the fight, if you like. Well, I think right now the, the, the easiest thing to do or the necessary thing to do is to be on the phone with the state senator, the senators, the U.S. senators from your state and your representatives uh, in the United States to uh, insist that they be trying to speak out about the, the fraud in this election. And speak out on behalf of Donald Trump, and speak out really on behalf of the public. Uh, that's the first. Um, mm -hmm. Need to also take economic action. So uh, cut yes. all all economic ties with any of the social media that's uh, been involved with censorship. So that means mm -hmm. you know don't put any information on Facebook. Don't uh, uh, participate in any or support any of the advertisers that uh, show up on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, mm -hmm. YouTube, start using the alternatives out there, uh, MeWe, Parler, Rumble, that uh, should be mm -hmm. the same with the uh, news shows. Um, many, many Trump supporters already have cut ties to Fox News, and Fox News ratings have just plummeted. Uh, yeah, I've been watching that. What? That's, uh, it, it almost seems like Fox News or the Murdochs were part of the whole, you know, the, the Murdoch kids, Lachlan and that, that crew, of course, yeah. they, they became a part of the, you know, they, they sold out. So, uh, it, like, they, they, if you look at the narrative, I, I was I was going over the um, live stream of the election night, and if you look at the narrative of the night, it was, everything was, like, everything was going in the direction for Trump, and the first, the first thing was when Fox called Arizona off yeah. the bat yeah just that kind of changed put a question mark on the night's activities and as we see now that was a completely crazy call to be made so yeah this and this was all again part of a broader uh, information operation mm -hmm. information operation uh, you know the reason for propaganda by intelligence agencies is to create a narrative in the minds of the populace and mm -hmm. that they will begin to accept as normal and natural. So naturally, the entire buildup to the election was how it was hopeless for Donald Trump. If Donald Trump didn't have a chance, and yet all the other outward signs of actual evidence in terms of mm -hmm. people that were showing up to rallies and, and the support that he was gaining, and the clear support he was acquiring within the African-American community. And the more that that support increased, the more strident came the accusations that he was a racist so mm -hmm. you know once you look at this entire effort to set the media narrative that there was no way trump could win and yet uh when it came to actual votes 
the, the numbers were showing up. And that's when they had to kick into this, this plan. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, and it, there, was, there, were a variety, there was no single plan. It was, it was a variety of things. And it did involve corruption with the voting machines. It did involve false ballots. They had to, you, they had to both create a ballot that you could have a record for the voting machine. And mm -hmm. but in doing so, they ended up having to create so many, and that's why they had to stop the vote. Uh, in, yeah, yeah. In key states, because uh, if they had if they had stopped the vote, uh, they wouldn't have been the reset. It wouldn't have been an ability to reset the machines. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's any situation where there'd be a second election? No, no, no. This uh, this will play out. Uh, the first uh, arena that will play out in will be the state legislatures. Mm -hmm. They have they have the authority to uh, set the electors, um, mm -hmm. and failing that, then it passes to the House of Representatives, and in the House of Representatives, uh, each state gets one vote. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter that California has you know fifty, yeah, yeah. And Delaware has three. Uh, it means Everybody gets one vote, and then and, and under that tally, uh, Trump's got 39 states and Biden's got 11. And, like, I suppose if you were to look at inflection points, the first state legislature that flips the, you know, the whole popular, popular vote, that's, that's when you are going to probably see a, a massive reaction in the in the legacy media and possibly violence. Yeah, yeah. I would say. But the, again, the irony there is the ones who are reversing the fraud are the ones mm -hmm. who have been popularly elected. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I'm with you there. It's just, like it would be because because the media are not preparing anybody for, like they're not covering any of the, would say, like I would have seen Pennsylvania, I'd say it's odds against Biden winning that state now that the I think the legislator there have the backbone to actually overturn the result. Yeah, I mean, they're, most of them are the, the, the majority of the legend. This is not a situation where uh, the Philadelphia and Pittsburgh control the legislation. Yeah. This is where they're now up against all those people from the backwoods, so to speak, and sure. from the working class folk. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I but I think the the fact that the media haven't covered some, I don't think the media have prepared their side for, you know, that eventuality. And yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be quite a shock to them. Like, I, I, I do believe, like my own, my own problem at the moment is, I think it's a bit, the communication and the rollout of the fight back has been a bit slow on from my point of view from the campaign side of things um but right. it's start it's starting to kind of build a bit of momentum now yeah no i agree um, i think they've done a very poor job on the messaging part of this and, and getting it out there to fight back on that especially since the media is going on its way to pretend that there's nothing to see here move along yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you what what do you make of the Sydney Powell Lynn Wood kind of lawsuits? Uh, well, uh, this is this goes back to something we touched on earlier. The, what I'll call the lack of coordination. On yeah. The, uh, Trump. Well, what my understanding right now is there are at least four 
I'll call them four separate efforts. So you have Rudy Giuliani and Jenna mm -hmm. Ellis working as official White House lawyers. So they're under official uh, government pay, if you will. Mm -hmm. Then you have Sidney Powell, who works with uh, Rudy, uh, Jan, uh, Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis, but is mm -hmm. independent as well. And yeah. then you have Wood, equally independent. And, but he coordinates with Sydney, And then there's another group, I think it's the Thomas More Society. We see uh, yes. their, them popping up as well. So, you know, there's at least four groups and it, it does not appear to, I see no evidence that they are coordinating and have uh, a common strategy or idea of what they're doing. It's more like, uh, you know, they've, they've walked into the middle of a barroom brawl, so everybody's throwing punches every which way. So, yeah, this is not a coordinated attack. This is uh, this is a full-on brawl. And yeah, yeah. You know, wait till they you know knock several people out and down before they can turn around and maybe come together to fight together. Yes. Mm -hmm. No, that's a good analogy. Um, the and how do you think General Flynn fits into what's going on with we'll say we'll say specifically we'll say with the the Sydney Powell lawsuits? Well, do you think yeah. his fingerprints are on that? Yeah, it was clear that uh, Judge Judge Emmett Sullivan is a corrupt judge. Uh, he's yeah. crooked. And he was bound and determined not to look at the evidence. And uh, it was uh, clear that he was being used as a tool, a willing tool at that, to uh, try to destroy Mike Flynn, because Flynn did represent a threat to the deep state activities on the part of both CIA and FBI and its uh, misuse of intelligence. Um, and do, you so have any, was... do you have any back, background kind of knowledge? Because he, like, again, Flynn was uh, an Obama appointee in 2012. So yeah. uh, something, something obviously went very wrong there. No, he didn't. You know, Flynn may have been appointed by Obama, but he was not a lackey for Obama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The intelligence effort, and uh, it was because he refused to cook the books, for example, on ISIS. Uh, yeah. that, you know, uh, Obama and Biden you know, were keen on calling ISIS a junior varsity team. Um, mm -hmm. The only reason they no longer exist is because of Donald Trump, you know, the efforts that Trump went immediately to, to, to destroy them. Um, but the, when Flynn got crossways with them on that, uh, I, in fact, I know uh, General Flynn was, uh, he was uh, having beers with the two individuals he'd worked closely with. And I, I don't mention their name just for fear. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. This, this was a meeting with only three people around. So those three people know who they were. Um, and two of the individuals who had been you know, very high up militarily uh, in uh, under both George W. Bush and under mm -hmm. Barack Obama were openly uh, arguing somewhat in good nature over what jobs they were going to have in the Clinton administration. And this, uh, took, place, this took place in the summer of 2015. So they were already measuring drapes and trying to figure <laughs> out their offices were. Um, mm -hmm. Flynn wasn't playing that game. And so when he aligned himself with Trump, he immediately became a partner and discredited. And uh, 
you know, it's so it's so damn laughable uh, the the premise that the national security advisor had a conversation with the Russian ambassador, and there's something wrong about that. I mean, for God's sake, I guarantee you that Joe Biden's aspiring national security advisor has been on the phone with the Chinese and with the Russians. So they, they again they tried to use what was a natural thing against them. So. The recognizing that Emmett Sullivan was not going to adhere, he's going to wait until the Supreme Court ordered him to release Flynn. The, the danger of that is if uh, he could, if he drug it out past January 20th and a new attorney general came in, the new attorney general could say, oh, never mind, we do want to go forward with uh, the conviction. And that's probably and, exactly what would happen. And, and it would require, you know, they'd, they'd drag it out. And in the end, they'd probably, they'd probably lose. But you know, what uh, Michael Flynn uh, needed was to be free of that burden. And plus, uh, Sydney's so busy right now trying to uh, help prove, yeah. provide evidence of the uh, fraud in the election. He couldn't really focus on that case. So it made sense. And I think uh, Michael Flynn learned a hard lesson out of this, which was um, never admit to being guilty, even to minimize the risk of a, the larger charges. Because once yeah. you that you quote lie, then you're all liar. No matter what yeah. you do, if you recant the lie, you're all liar. So it yeah. is one of those things. You know, if you if you if you've lied, then yes, admit to the lie. But if you haven't lied, no, you you're not a liar. Tell them you're going to stand by the truth and, and run the risk and the consequences. It's, I know that's uh, uh, easy to say from the comfort of. I wasn't facing what he was facing, but I think he now realizes that. I think he also realizes who his true friends are. Uh, mm -hmm. he had, I think he had a list of folks before this uh, uh, incident came up and this whole trial was initiated. Uh, people that he thought were friends disappeared. But also out of it, he found new friends. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he's, I think he, he, he in, in fairness, I wouldn't, wish what he had to go through on anyone but he's he's a he's come out of it a much stronger even political figure going forward i i, I can't see um i can't see him moving off into the sunset yeah no no he's not uh, he will be part of the resistance yeah um no that's that's good uh i i suppose my i i, I suppose uh larry i don't there i did what we've gone through there now is exactly what I was hoping we 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 could get through is get kind of your unique insight on things there, uh, and um, I just wanted to say um before we kind of wrap up is just to give anything you're promoting at the moment your website, your social media or whatever if you want to throw it out there and we'll um we'll promote it on our end as well. Yeah, well I I, I write at sonar twenty one dot com s o n a r 21.com, and uh, then I'm a regular contributor at the Gateway Pundit. Whenever, whenever I come up with something to write, I write it, and they get it, and they, they put it up. So yeah, there. That's the Hoft brothers, is it? Yeah, Joe yeah. and Paul. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very. I was looking at their traffic for the last two months; has gone through the roof. And yeah. they're they're doing great work. My understanding is prior to the election, they were dealing with about 1 million visits a day, which is still a very healthy amount. Mm -hmm. And now, uh, four weeks later, they're, they're approaching 5 million. Yeah, yeah. 
it goes back, I suppose, to the the graduate the betrayal of Fox in the sense that people are there's a dispersion of people that were getting their information through regular channels who were looking who were thirsting for kind of media on the right that's kind of reputable, like you know. Yeah, in, in fact, it, it's important for people to understand that uh, if you look at the ratings for the cable news shows, uh, so yeah. look, Fox, MSNBC, CNN combined, their combined audience for all three is hovers around six million. It may creep creep up to eight million, and mm -hmm. it's, so the really between five to eight million. That's three cable shows. Yeah, so yeah. that's how important and I think influential the Gateway Pundit is. The fact yeah. that it's in five million just one site. Yeah, um, yeah. The other but thing that's what you know. That's so what I noticed about this election cycle. I think this is the first election night that was predominantly watched via a phone or a computer as opposed to a television. I know yeah. myself. I watch my. I watched the whole night on. I followed the war room pandemic um, live stream and was flipping yeah. through to that. They had a data analyst on, and he had his own stream going, and I was kind of flipping between the two of them. But they were getting. They got huge numbers on the night too. I thought Bannon's show was the the best. The like the election yeah. that night. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It's just in what I like about. Like I know there's a lot of baggage with him, and he has. Like he's a lot to lose in a Biden administration. He's you know, under federal indictment. Like so, um. But what I like about his shows, even going back to the impeachment, is they're they're di they're very data driven. They're very kind of information driven rather than opinion. You know, like there's no doubt what side them guys are on. But like <clears throat> whether it's the election, whether it was the impeachment trial, or even the coronavirus, they always were. They they always seem to have you know. The information that you want that you can verify, right? Right. No. right. So, plus, so. Just using common sense and logic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Well, Larry, I suppose we're going nearly an hour and ten minutes there now. So, I appreciate you taking the time out to talk to me um, on, on on everything that's going on over in the states at the moment. Um, I don't um, doubt I might be on to you again. Depending on how this this whole thing shakes out, hopefully it shakes out in Trump's favor. But I, I just wanted to appreciate, uh, say thanks for taking the time to to, to talk to me, and um, go through what you did. All right. Well, my my pleasure, Jerry. Well, yeah. Hopefully, um, hopefully again. Yeah, yeah. We will hopefully. So uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. 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 Let's just start with the, with the backstory. Uh, the the Steve Bannon uh, kid, the the brawler, your brother said, right? In, in what way? Well, I mean, it was a, it's it's a uh, our neighborhood um, became uh, it was kind of you know white working class, lower middle class, uh, old internal suburb of a of a old city, Richmond. So it was inside the city limits, very close to downtown, and it became uh, predominantly black in the 60s. And my parents, you know, wouldn't leave. That was our neighborhood. So it was a pretty, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a fairly tough, north side of Richmond is a fairly tough section of town. 
and you just kind of, you know, you just, I was raised in a, you know, working class Irish Catholic family, went to a military prep school and it was just kind of a, you know, it's just, just raised to not back down. If you believe in something, you believe in something and you can't, if you show any weakness in a neighborhood, like it's quite Darwinian mm-hmm. as a young person, right? If you show weakness, you're going to just get picked on and bullied and all that. So you got to, you just got to, you just learn from the playgrounds and you learn from the the schools and the sports, you know, there's no big organized little league or anything like that. Everything was kind of inner city baseball leagues or basketball leagues, et cetera. You just learn, you got to stand up for yourself and you got to fight. And if you fight, your people give you some space. And uh, if you don't fight, it's just, you know, you're, you're, it's not a great life. So it was just, it, and it was one any big deal. It was kind of like breathing air. So I, I remember the story about your dad that you told that almost felt like a, like a, you know, one switch gets turned on and young Steve Bannon, or you're still, you're a grown up by then, but uh, it, it, it goes to this idea of trust, trust in the government, trust in your company, trust, tr- trust that your dad had for his retirement accounts. And well, look, we come from, we're Irish Catholic, you know, the Catholic Church, the Bell, you know, the, the my grandfather and father, I think the only two guys in the history of the Bell system to be both 50 year employees. My grandfather worked there 50 years as a lineman and a PBX guy, and my dad was 50 years, started in the sewer pulling cable and worked for 50 years. So the father and son worked 50 years for the phone company. So you had these big institutions. You know, I was fortunate enough to be raised in a in a great time in America, right? The 50s and 